Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I'm so excited today to be with Michael Bungay-Stanier. We met several years ago, and ever since I started this show back in 2020, I've been wanting to have you as a guest, Michael. So I'm really, I'm really glad that we're finally doing this. And before we get started, could you tell our listeners about yourself? And this is a perfect time to talk about the book that you just released in June. Oh. So I uh, write books, which is one of the reasons it's good to have me on the show, I'm guessing. Um, I've written probably seven or eight or nine books now. Kind of, I'm not that good at counting them up. Um, but if I'm known for anything, I'm known for a book called The Coaching Habit. So that came out uh, 2016. Um, it sold one point, I'm not sure, 1.2 or 1.3 million copies. Um, and it was self-published. It got turned down multiple times by Workman, a New York publisher who I published an earlier book with. Um, And so I was like, I think there's something good in this book. So I went through and self-published it, which turned into a hybrid publishing uh, relationship. So that my last four books have been with a company called Page Two based in Vancouver, who are one of the, the I think, preeminent uh, hybrid publishing uh, companies out there. And I I have a new book out um, called How to Work with Almost Anyone. That's amazing. And Michael, I think that I actually found page two books because of an article that you wrote after launching The Coaching Habit, where you talked about the importance of getting professional support with self-publishing, and you talked about how you partnered with page two. I often use The Coaching Habit as an example for clients. Can you just uh, brag for a minute about the number of Amazon reviews that book has? Uh, I'm not totally sure. It's like 14,000 or something massive <laughs> and you know uh, becky when i started I, I i just came to the awareness that it's like nobody knows what the hell they're talking about in terms of numbers the books sell everybody's making up numbers everybody wants to get on a list i'm like it's like hard enough when you're a publisher when you're self-publishing it's like impossible to guess so i said a different metric i said look i want the coaching habit to be considered a classic in the world of coaching so when somebody says, what are, what are three good books on coaching? I wanted the coaching habit to be one of those books. And my goal was to get to a thousand reviews because I think a thousand reviews marks it off as a, as a special popular book. And so I kind of marketed it for two or maybe three years with a goal of trying to get to a thousand reviews. And then because 
book sales are a bit of a power log game, meaning if you're successful, you become more successful. The, um, you know, the reviews really ramp up. So I'm like, I'm not even sure how many reviews my Amazon is, but it's like, I get a lot of reviews like added on a regular basis. And I can really feel the difference because with this new book, it's taken me a month to get to 150 reviews on amazon.com, which is great. It's a really good target, but I would guess with the coaching habit, I'm getting 150 reviews a week on, on that just because it's a book that is, up in the kind of top thousand books on Amazon all the time. And it's just, it, it has the wind beneath its wings. So that's a really important thing to comment on. And I wonder if you could talk a bit more about that thousand review goal, Michael, because I'm guessing what you did is that you kept on asking people for reviews until you got to that mark. And so yeah. how many reviews will you work to get on the latest book? And what does that look like for you? You know, the, um, the, the number I've heard, and you know, I don't, I don't know where these numbers come from, is that if you can get to thirteen hundred reviews, there's a good chance that that book has become evergreen. It's like an ever seller. It, it's likely to keep thundering away because thirteen hundred reviews is is a lot. Now, thirteen hundred reviews is a, a huge number of reviews. It's hard to do, but you know, one of the secrets I have, and if you're watching a video version of this, you can see this. It's in the middle of this new book. I've got a page and because I'm self-publishing or hybrid publishing, I have some control over this. So I get to ask this, but I had a page like this in the coaching habit and it said, Hey, it's Michael here, the author. This is my, yes, that's my blood, sweat and tears that you're seeing blotting the text. If you're enjoying the read, would you consider giving the book a review on your preferred online retailers website or reading community? The quote unquote social proof that this book is worth. It really helps it to succeed in the world. And if you're not okay to, if, and if you're not so moved, no worries at all. So I make a really explicit call about a third of the way through the book um, to say, "Hey, you please give me a review." And um, you know, somebody on Amazon for the coaching habit gave me a one-star review, saying I felt very affronted that he asked for a review. So be it. Um, I think there are other people who've given me a review because they're like, "Oh, most authors don't ask, and this authors ask, so sure, I can do that." That's super helpful. Um, I wanted to just uh, comment a little bit about the 1.3 million copies of The Coaching Habit. And obviously, the book has become this perennial seller. It has become the classic that you wanted it to become. So yeah. I think that for anyone who's trying to compare on results, like you're not going to get to 14,000 or 15,000 Amazon reviews unless you sell a lot of books. Exactly. So uh, you probably know these numbers better than I do, Becky, but I, I uh, heard these, and these are actually based in solid research around how many books sell. And in, it, when your book is on the front list, meaning in the first year it's out in the world, if it's published through a regular publisher, here are the numbers that came from research. 88% um, of books sell less than 5,000 copies. 15% of books sell less than 15 copies, which is amazing to me. <laughs> now, I think this is this is for a particular type of book. So this is like the paperback or the audio book or the Kindle. So you're kind of breaking them out. And then 0.4% of books sell more than a hundred thousand copies of a book. So is that in one in your, year or is that that's lifetime? In, that's in your first year. That's okay. in your first year. So if you can sell 5,000 copies in 
um, of your book in the first year, you've done amazingly well. 10,000 copies, you're rocking it. Um, and 100,000 copies over the lifetime of a book is an amazing, an amazing result. Now, if you go, I've sold 1.3 million copies. And for the sake of math, let's say I've got 1,300 reviews. That means I'm getting one review for every 1,000 copies sold. I think that's what it means. But even if it was like one review for every 100 copies sold, no, it's one, it's one review for every 1,000 copies sold. So if you've sold 10,000 copies on a math, on an adjusted basis, that's only 10 reviews. <laughs> so you can see how hard all of this stuff actually is. It takes a real kind of dedication and a focus. And for me, I'm like, I'm just constantly trying to reset my expectations to be lower um, so that I don't have these kind of slightly heartbreaking moments where I'm like, I can't believe I didn't get on the New York Times list, or I can't believe I I still don't have a hundred reviews. Why is it so hard? You know, and it's like it's because it's hard. It is very hard. Um one of the things I want to do is be able to talk about some of the approaches that you've taken. And I, I know having been on the receiving end of some of your marketing approaches, that for both the coaching habit and for this latest title, and I'm sure for all the books that came in between, you do a lot of offering the book for free to people. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, I, um, uh, I, I've ex I experiment with this. I'm not entirely always sure if it's working or not, but um, you know, with this new book, How to Work with Almost Anyone, I actually invited a lot of people to take an early read of an early version of it, like, like a couple of hundred people. And um, honestly, that was not that great an idea because all I got is I got 200 people making nitpicky comments about, well, it was a good idea. It was a bad idea and it was a brilliant idea. Bad idea was like, I can't actually absorb 200 people's feedback about a book. <laughs> particularly when most of them are like, I don't like this word or I isn't there. Shouldn't there be a comma here? I'm like, it's an, it's a draft. Um, however, it helped me see that I needed to completely restructure the book. So it wasn't one person's comment, but I was like, you know what? It's like, I'm really noticing that there's a drop off of readers in this. And I need, I'm trying to write a book that people feel compelled to finish. So that was a, was useful. I probably wouldn't do it with 200 people again. And then with um, um, trying to launch the book, so one of the one of my goals was um, you know a certain number of reviews within the first two weeks. It was like a hundred reviews in the first two weeks. That's what I hoped for. And I'm like to do that. I've got to try and no, very few people get a book and read it immediately and review it immediately. So I need people to have the book early on to do that. So I set up a classic street team or ambassador team it goes under you know different names um we called ours the 108 irregulars and they're like to get onto that team you had to buy two copies of the book um and if you get onto that team you got immediate access to an ebook version um and it meant that they could have a look at it beforehand and we ran little sessions before the book launched around how to write a good review and what you might say and we gave people all the encouragement we could now, just to show you how the numbers of that work, we had, I think, about 350 people sign up for that. So these are people who've signed up. They bought two books. I've done trainings with them. And after a month, I have a total of 250 reviews on Amazon. So even you know, even when you have an ambassador team, it's like half of them perhaps will, will do the review thing that you do. So again, it's like all of this kind of – 
there's this constant tension between raising expectations and and your hope and kind of kind of interacting with the reality, which is like good people signed up and then they're like too busy, didn't get around to it. I still haven't read it. I have good intentions. I maybe I'll get around to it. So that's what that's about. Yeah, and I've shared before on the show, Michael, that the data I've seen is about 10 to 40% of people who agree to be on a launch team or a street team will leave a review in the first month. There we go. And the data that I saw as a first-time author when my book came out last year, I had the same goal, 100 Am- well, I had a goal of 100 Amazon reviews in the first month. It took me 78 days to get to 100. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the other hand, my client, Nate Regeer, just had the most amazing, exciting experience. And we saw him get 105 or 106 in one week. Wow, and that was, that was incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. So let's talk about some of the approaches that you've taken. You know, I've noticed that you have this LinkedIn top voice badge and quite often clients will come to me and say, well, how do I get that? So could you talk a little bit about how you got that top voice badge on LinkedIn and what, if any, impact that has for you? Um, I have no idea how I got a LinkedIn top badge. They just just showed up one day and said, would you like this? And I'm like, sure. (laughs) Okay. And, and um, I mean, and it's happened recently. It's like, it's only three or four months or five months old. So it's a new thing and it's not clear to me how I do that. I have a small team who does my social media for me. And what, what it connects to is that because my book is called how to work with almost anyone, it is written for managers and leaders and individual contributors at work. And so one of our, platforms on our book launch strategy was to win LinkedIn. So, you know, there's all sorts of different platforms. You can go and spend your time waving your arms around. I honestly don't think social media does a lot in terms of making book sales happen, but I wanted there to be a buzz about this book on LinkedIn. So we worked hard that the, the, the Cedar and Sage, who are the, the, the team who run my social media, you know, they developed their, their book launch strategy, so LinkedIn strategy, and they kind of waved the flag and had photos and promoted the book and kind of did all sorts of good things to kind of give that a buzz on LinkedIn. Um, and I think because I've got a, a team regularly posting and I've done a LinkedIn learning course and um, I've been on a LinkedIn podcast that I think I got the badge just because of repetition and longevity, but it was a recent break that somebody just showed up and went, would you like a badge? Awesome. So, you know, we have noticed in observing your online presence, Michael, that you are on pretty much all the channels. And so I'm curious to hear what that's like when you've outsourced your social media, how much of it is you um, or what is your involvement in the content that goes out from you? And and what, if any engagement are you doing yourself? Uh, I'm doing basically no engagement. Because, um, so, so let me answer all the questions. So, sure. um, I, th- I think, um, uh, Sarah and Jesse, the two women behind Cedar and Sage are really talented, um, at this social media stuff. And in part, they're really talented because they have done a great job at capturing my voice. So for the, they, we've worked together for about a year and for six months, I was like more involved in kind of what they were doing and what they were producing and what they were saying. But the advantage is that I've been writing stuff and creating stuff for 20 years or 30 years. So I have a big archive of stuff that they can learn from and and draw from. And very early on, we built a 
how to create in the voice and the style of Michael document. So a really clear guideline around, I say these words, I don't say these words. I tend to have a few catchphrases like you're awesome and you're doing great or huzzah or whatever it might be. I tend to like 10 cent words rather than two cent words. You know, I've kind of got a, I've got a style and they've done a really great job around picking up on that style. So I really trust them on the voice of the brand. And then, cause I know they're basically repurposing content from seven books and 30 years of newsletters and stuff that I know they can adjust on that. And I get very little joy from interacting on social media. And so I don't, um, my goal is not for me to build relationships with people on social media, because that's not where I build relationships. It's to provide content that is useful in teaching people. And so I don't need to be involved in the, the to and fro. If I was involved in the to and fro, I probably have a bigger following and a deeper relationships and the like, but that's not, I'm choosing to try and write more books rather than be on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I've seen you show up on threads yet. So uh, that'd be something to check. There you go. I don't even know if I'm on threads or not. I suspect I probably am because those two women are on top of things, but I don't know, maybe. So what what mindset shift did you have to make to be able to let go of that and uh, allow, you know, others to repurpose your content in ways to reach audiences and take that step back? Uh, I had to trust that they they understood my voice. That, that was the main thing. And I'm like, I've got a distinctive voice. I've got a distinctive style of writing and showing up that I've you know, partly honed over the time, but just has become me. And I'm like, I don't want tedious, predictable BS bland social media. I want it to have an edge. I want it to be provocative. I want it to be smart. I want it to feel like it represents the brand. And um, you know, it was like six months of training and kind of practice and reiterations and um tweak this or tweak that. But now I have a um a two hour meeting with them once a month. And I get an additional document once a month that I review. And that's it. That's the full in involvement in my social marketing. So basically two to three hours a month. And reviewing all the content and editing it or no? No. That's really helpful and insightful. Um, so tell me about what you think about uh, the idea of giving away the best content from your books through online content. Uh I'm not sure. It's a good question. It depends a little bit on how you measure success. I measure success in how well are my ideas spreading. And it's a luxury I have in part because I have a life that's partly funded by selling lots of copies of The Coaching Habit on a regular basis. And so I don't have to kind of go, if I give this away, maybe I can't monetize it in some ways. But, um, you know, somebody said, I can't remember who, probably all sorts of people said, it's like, my idea, my problem isn't that my ideas get stolen. My problem is that my ideas get ignored. Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, so I'm trying to find ways of getting people to get curious about what my ideas are, but then to make it easy for them to kind of follow up on that and kind of discover my website and then get a thing and then give me their email address and then kind of get into a potentially a commercial relationship uh, beyond that. Um, you know, when I restructured my book, which I was talking about earlier, basically what I did is I'm like, if 
people only read the first chapter of my book, and that happens a lot. I want them to have the best ideas in the first chapter. So I stripped a I stripped out a bunch and I pushed a bunch to the end. And I just made the first thing. I'm like, here's here's the ideas in this book. This is my best. This is what I got for you. And if if you only read the first 10 or 15 pages, you still walk away as a win. Amazing. So I have seen on social media that you have a really big ambition with this book to change the working lives of 10 million people. That's right. Did I capture that correctly? Yeah. So tell me, what's the strategy for being able to change the working lives of 10 million people? Well, the um, the reason that uh, I articulate that is I find it very hard to get excited about counting numbers of books sold. I'm like, it's, you know, it's like, it's hard to, it's really hard to sell books. I was talking to a marketer called Amy Porterfield the other day, and she's a really talented, successful online marketer. And I was like, it's, it's easier to sell a $2,000 course than it is to sell a $20 book. And she's like, amen, it is. Uh, Cause she's just gone through that with launching a, a new book of her own six months ago or something. And, um, and so if you're like, oh man, you know, like if I can sell 10,000 copies of a book in a year and if I'm a traditional publisher, I'm earning a buck or two for that book. You know, I've, I've spent three years writing a book and a year doing nothing but trying to sell it. And I've earned a total of $20,000 over four years. That's a, that's a lot, <laughs> a lot of work for not a whole lot of financial review. So I'm better when I'm mission driven. So now I get to go, I've got, I've, I've in effect got ideas and intellectual property in this book and I've got a goal to improve 10 million copies, uh, 10 million working relationships. What needs to be true for me to get there as fast as I can? And that just opens up possibilities around what can I give away? What can I teach? What can I bundle? What can I sneak out into the world in different ways? It's I don't have a strategy for how to do that. I have permission to try out a bunch of things because I'm not not going, how do I sell more books, but how do I affect 10 million working relationships? So how are you going to measure that you've affected the working relationships? I can't really. Um, but uh, I reckon if I can sell, if I sell a million copies of this book, then I've probably affected 10 million working relationships. Or if I sell one copy of this book, but I sell it to somebody who works in a company where there's a million people and they buy a training from me and everybody in the company goes through it. I'm like, great. I've, I've uh, affected 10 million people that way. So the number isn't there for strict accountability. The number is there to say, this is a difficult, but if you're lucky and it's, you work hard for five or 10 years, it's, it's a reachable target. Yeah, that's, that is a really powerful way of looking at it. I think that what shows up for me is the permission to creatively try a bunch of things to reach more people with the message. Right. Because one of the things that is clear to me about launching a book is it's probably a two to three year game to really get a book out in the world and kind of hopefully get a flywheel spinning so you're having some success with it. And we're all conditioned to think that a book launch is the book launch. And it's like, 
all of the hard months leading up to the book showing up in the world. And then you've got a kind of four to six week window afterwards where you're like, I hope something happens miraculous to my book. And then everybody kind of collapses on the ground and the publisher has moved on to whatever the next book is. And I'm like, it's, it, it takes more than six weeks to seed an idea in a lot of people's ideas. You've got to be out there finding people. So what does it mean to walk a three-year path on a book? Thank you so much for saying that. It, it's very encouraging to hear uh, and is very closely aligned to what I believe too. Um, and I'm, I'm curious then as it relates to, you, you mentioned that you have eight or nine books. I've, I kind of have lost track. Um, how much t- space and time have you given between the books? Well, I, um, you know, I had four years between The Coaching Habit and the kind of sister book follow-up to that called The Advice Trap. So Coaching Habit 2016, uh, The Advice Trap 2020, um, then a book called How to Begin in 2022, which is about how to set worthy goals, um, goals that are thrilling, important, and daunting. And then a year later, this new book. Um, and next year, I'm going to have a two-part journal coming out, one in May, one in October. And then in uh, 2025, another book on how change happens in organizations. Now, I don't think this is very smart in terms of book marketing, because if you look at the people who seem to have some great success with their books, and I'm thinking of James Clear and Phil Jones in particular, they've made the decision that they're going to have one book that they're going to sell forever. Like I talked to Phil Jones the other day about this, and he's, his book is called Exactly What to Say, and it's sold... I think about 2 million copies in different formats. And he's like, I'm not trying to write another book. I'm just trying, I'm trying to sell 10 million copies of this book. And he's just very focused on that one thing. And I admire that. And I think that's the smart marketing thing to do. I also want to have a body of work out in the world. So I'm also going, look, I'm mid fifties. I could, I might only have another five years of creative space left. So I want to get the books that I want to write out in the world. And that's more important than me trying to really push the financial success of one of those books. So how have you seen your momentum with books and sales and marketing get easier as you've progressed from book to book? Do you think it has a cumulative effect of this community that you're building who are waiting for your books to come out? Well, I I suspect that people who find one book find other books. So I have a, I have a a unicorn book in the coaching habit. And so knowing that that's, you know, that sells, I don't know how many it sells, but it's, uh, you know, it's typically a, it's typically a top 1000 book on Amazon uh, most days. I'm just looking up where it is at the moment. So here's a real-time slash. So 14,092 ratings, and it is currently rated 622 in books. So it's a top 600 book seven years after launch, which, by the way, is miraculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but it means that it's selling a bunch. I don't know how much it's selling exactly. And I'm like, so... People who are discovering the coaching habit, I hope are discovering other books of mine. So I'm doing a little bit of that kind of that shotgun thing around that. Um, but it's also it's just a it's more a kind of mission driven thing, which is like 
my best way of getting ideas out in the world is through books. So write books, Michael. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm, I've been wondering this whole interview, when you wrote The Coaching Habit, did you know it was your unicorn book? Did you know that you had written something special? I, I you know, I, I tend to have the wiring to think that every work of every book I've ever written, in the moment it goes off, I'm like, this is genius and this is a fantastic book and I'm delighted by it. I'm kind of wired to be self-congratulatory. Um but I'm just really, I'm, and in retrospect, I can go, look, the coaching habit answers a really big need. It unweirds coaching. Um, because it got rejected so many times by a publisher, I'd written it so many times that it's got a kind of, it's got a crystalline clarity to it and, and a through line to it. And it's really readable. And it uh, it's got a design that makes it easier rather than harder to read. So there's a bunch of stuff that I can see that took it off. But you can't you can't predict a you can't predict a unicorn. It's it's just it got lucky, you know. I I I do think that if if you can sell a hundred thousand copies of a book in its lifetime, you've done amazingly well. And anything after that, you've somehow got hold of a rocket. Some and and you got lucky, and success following that is in part because you got hold of that rocket whenever it was. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one final question. Um, I'm curious to hear how the books have fueled your other professional services in the world, including speaking, what that's oh, yeah. been like for you. So I founded a training company called Box of Crayons, and it sells, um, it teaches the IP, the intellectual property of the coaching habit and the advice trap to big corporations. And, you know, I can trace more than $10 million worth of revenue to about 10 book sales. Somebody bought the book and gone, can you come and train my company? And, you know, whether it's Salesforce or Microsoft or Telus or Gucci, it's generated a bunch of, a bunch of revenue from the books. So one of the reasons I like the hybrid publishing model with page two is that it, they understand that a book is part of an ecosystem and it's a doorway into a community and training and membership and whatever other business model you want to attach to that. Whereas traditional publishers don't aren't so good at understanding that this is more than a book. It's a brand ambassador and an entryway. They're like, it's a book. And I'm like, it's not really just a book. Um, so I don't really write books unless there's also a, Here's how you get into my website. Here's how. Here's some stuff you can get. Here's here's a, um, how to begin. Came out last year, and I'm like, how to begin. And then there's a how to begin training course, where you, a video course, and then there's a membership site called the Conspiracy, where people who are working on their worthy goals spend time supporting each other doing the work. And so, it's a it's a financial ecosystem that I'm creating, not just a book. Is there more you want to say about that for those who might not know even how to start with building an ecosystem around their books? Well, um, the first is to make it really easy for people to depart the book and arrive at your website. That's the starting point, which is like you need them to knock on your door and say, can I come in? So whether that's QR codes or whether it's download this or whether it's come and listen to this or whether you are like, download a summary of that 
Step number one is to get them onto your website. And then it depends a little bit on what you want to sell. Cause it could, your website could be your speaking page, which is like, I do great speeches about what I've written about in this book. Hire me to come and give you a talk. Here's the inquiry form. Or it might be, Hey, here's an online virtual course that you can take. Um, it teaches what's in the book, but better and more and deeper. So then you're like, you're building a business model and you're looking at different services and then it's up to you around what you want to do and how you want to make money. But make it easy for and easy from the start. Like throughout throughout my books, there's all these invitations. Go to this website, go to this QR code, click here and get something cool. Because I want I want people to show up at my door and knock. And you're sending people to box of crayons? Uh, no, I'm sending people to a website called mbs.works, although each of my books has their own URL. So if you're reading The Coaching Habit, you go to thecoachinghabit.com. But then that is my personal website, which is mbs.works. So, so I have a box of crayons sells training to big companies. Um, mbs.works sells supports individuals, so B2C, if you like. Um, so thecoachinghabit.com or the advice trap com or how to begin.com or for the new one it's best possible relationship.com and you know for people who are listening you should you should be nosy and go and check out all of those urls just to see what i've done and go what you want to copy what you not want to copy um you don't have to click on anything but you should i do this all the time with people i'm forever trying to figure out their journey and how they invite people in and how they encourage that because I, for me, I learned how to be a better marketer by copying other people who are doing it well. Well, that leads us to the perfect segue. At the end of every episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast, Michael, we like to give people action steps that they can take that will help them move forward on their journey to market their books and reach more readers. So I'm going to just uh, like take that cue. The first thing that I want to encourage you to, to do today is to visit those URLs that Michael mentioned. We're going to put them in the show notes and see what you can learn by observing the way that Michael invites people into the ecosystem of the services that he has at mbs.works. It's the B2C offering, helping yeah. individuals on their journeys. At Box of Crayons, it's the uh, B2B offering where corporations access Michael's yeah. learning. Yeah. So that's action step number one. For action step number two, I'm going to go back to something that you said earlier, Michael, regarding your vision of reaching or affecting 10 million working relationships through your latest book, How to Work with Almost Anyone. And for those who might be listening, who maybe you're getting discouraged with how hard it is, you know, Michael, you are exceedingly successful in selling books. And yet you are telling us that it's hard to sell books. So for those of you who might be discouraged, I want to encourage you to write down a vision that's bigger than book sales, um, a mission that you can accomplish in the world through your book that can keep you focused, as Michael has been, on looking for creative ways to accomplish yeah. the mission. So I want you to give yourself permission today to right. be creative in ways that you can reach more people with your work. Okay, Michael, so before we wrap up, um, I'm going to just invite you to wrap up by letting people know how they can get connected with you. And we gave some of those URLs already, but yeah. I'm also curious if there's any like one story that you feel um, would either inspire or challenge our listeners as it relates to uh, book marketing and reaching people with their work. Uh, 
I, it's less a story and more a tactic, and it's this. Um, if you are a speaker, one of the best ways to try and shift books is to tie buying books with your speaking fee. Um, I think that the majority of people who hit things like the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, where you need somewhere between five and 10,000 copies sold in the first week, um, uh, are people who have traded their speaking fee for bulk sales. I'll come and give you a free workshop if you buy 500 copies of my book. My normal speaking fee is X thousand dollars. You get a bargain, you get the books. It takes a bunch of negotiating and a deal making. And some people listening, they're like, I'm not a speaker. And they're like, then this is not relevant for you. But just to be aware that I think that is now the primary way of shifting books early on and giving your book a chance of hitting uh, a list if you're trying to do that. Where to find me is uh, mbs.works is the place to go. That's kind of the hub for everything. You'll find my social media things, which you know I don't do any work on, but they're kind of cool because talented women do. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Uh, for those of you listening, if I can be of any help to you, I encourage you to email me. I'm Becky at weavinginfluence.com. Thanks, Becky. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks.